What's up, my fellow history nerds? And welcome back to Adult History. As always, I'm super excited to share my love of history in a new and entertaining way. This podcast is going to cover a few of the things you've learned in history class, but a lot of the things you didn't. I'm Christiane, and this is Adult History. In this evening's episode, we are going to learn about the harsh conditions of the winter of 1777 that was spent by the Continental Army at Valley Forge. Under the command of George Washington, it seemed as though hope was lost for the American soldiers. Let's paint a picture of what life was like that winter for the Continental soldier. But first, let's mix up a drink. Our historically themed cocktail for this evening is called a General's Orders, and the recipe comes to us from an event that honored the history of alcohol and cocktails in the United States. Now, let's make this drink. As always, you'll need your mixer and some ice. Add ice to the glass and your shaker. In the shaker, mix one half ounce of simple syrup, one ounce of aged rum, one half ounce of rye whiskey, three quarters an ounce of fresh lemon juice, one half ounce cherry liqueur, and a dash of bitters. Shake, strain, and enjoy. Okay, so George Washington and the Continental Army had just finished up a summer full of battles, defeats, and death. The Army had just lost two battles at Brandywine and Germantown to the British. This, in turn, ended up in the British taking over Philadelphia, which at the time was the capital of the colonies. Exhausted, defeated, and nearing the cold winter months, it was time for Washington to find a winter camp for his soldiers. Battles would not be fought on either side during the harsh winter conditions of colonial America, and an essential ceasefire lasted those months. Washington needed a strategic location to set up camp. His aides and fellow high-ranking officers helped Washington decide on Valley Forge. Nestled along the Schuylkill River, it would be easier to bring in supplies by water to help maintain the camp. Valley Forge was also secluded and high up on a hill, which made it less accessible and more easily defendable should the British decide to attack. So, Washington marched his army of 12,000 soldiers up the 18 miles to Valley Forge. And while that might not seem like a long trek, these soldiers were not prepared for the cold, exhausting march ahead of them, most of whom wore tattered and torn clothing, exposing their skin to the cold, as well as many who didn't even have shoes. These men were exhausted and hungry from a season full of battles, and yet they marched on without a peep as they followed their beloved general. George Washington actually wrote, To see men without clothes to cover their nakedness, without blankets to lay on, without shoes by which their marches might be traced by the blood from their feet, and almost as often without provisions as with, marching through frost and snow at Christmas, taking up their winter quarters within a day's march of the enemy, without a house or a hut to cover them till they could be built, and submitting to it without a murmur, 
is a mark of patience and obedience, which in my opinion, can scarce be paralleled. Let's take a break. Now back to the lesson. Many of the soldiers' wives and children would march and live alongside their men. While Washington often found this a bother due to having to feed and house them, it often proved essential to the army. The woman could cook and help tend to the wounded, as well as help keep an all-around cleaner camp environment, which helped prevent the spread of diseases among the soldiers. I couldn't imagine bringing my children to live with me in an army camp with death and disease all around, and especially during the cold winter. But these women were brave and determined to spend time with their soldier because they never knew when they would see them again. Once at camp, the men began to construct huts and small buildings to shelter in. These huts were made of wood and mud, and often men would dig down two feet into the ground to help prevent wind from cutting through the shelters. But it took time to build these, and as a result, many days were spent outside in the elements. Each small hut held 12 soldiers, and oftentimes their wives and children as well. Martha Washington would even join her husband at his Valley Forge headquarters that winter. It is believed that between 1,300 to 1,600 structures were built at the Valley Forge winter camp, so essentially it became a little village for the army. Now remember earlier in the lesson when I talked about the ideal qualities of Valley Forge as a camp location? Well, as soon as it got cold, the river froze and the hilly roads were slick with ice. This prevented those routes to be used as ways of bringing in supplies and food to the camp. And on top of that, the British often intercepted the supplies anyway, leaving very little to make it to Washington and his troops. The men were starving and morale was sinking. They spent their days aching from hunger and freezing without proper clothing. Things were going downhill quicker than Washington could imagine. The men were not only facing the elements in starvation, but diseases were running rampant throughout the camp. Scabies broke out due to poor hygiene, and many men were succumbing to typhus spread by body lice. The camp had limited access to water for cooking and bathing, so often the bathing was sacrificed. These men were also catching influenza and pneumonia, as well as dying from typhoid and dysentery spread through contaminated water and food. And people weren't the only ones dying at Valley Forge. Some 1,200 horses died from exposure and starvation and were often left unburied to rot. Washington ordered the men to burn tar in their huts to help purify the putrid air every day, which seems more like a hazard than a help, but, you know, the 1700s. Years later, Lafayette recalled that the unfortunate soldiers were in want of everything. They had neither coats, hats, shirts, nor shoes. Their feet and legs were froze till they had become almost black, and it was often necessary to amputate them. We'll be right back. Now back to the lesson. The men were bitter and angry with the living situation. They were blaming those in charge for all of their misery, and the beloved General Washington was losing the support of his troops. There was talk of Washington being unable to lead them to victory, let alone to survive these terrible conditions. Many didn't want him as a general anymore. Every day men were dying and deserting. Washington feared they wouldn't have an army come springtime. Roughly 1,700 to 2,000 men would die that winter, leaving a great dent in the Continental Army, and that doesn't include the deserters. But Washington wasn't giving up. He wrote to Congress begging for food and supplies and for them to come and see the camp's conditions for themselves. And they did. This helped their cause and also helped boost morale. He also employed the knowledge of Baron Frederick von Steuben, a Prussian drill master who had recently arrived from Europe. 
Von Steuben was shocked at the untrained and unorganized soldiers and spent the winter running military drills. The men practiced volley fire, improved maneuverability, standardized their march paces, exercised skirmishing operations, and drilled bayonet proficiency. Their confidence grew, which also helped improve morale among the camp. Support for Washington returned. The remaining soldiers who hadn't succumbed to the harsh conditions, deserted or not re-enlisted, were a strong, formidable army. After the infamous winter at Valley Forge, on June 19, 1778, Washington marched the Continental Army out of camp. The men were disciplined and more confident than ever, and just nine days later would be successful against the British at the Battle of Monmouth. So, though the winter at Valley Forge was harsh and unforgiving, the training and skills the Continental Army gained would go on to be one of the reasons why they would become successful in the Revolutionary War. I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Most of us learned about Valley Forge in school, but this was a great refresher, and I even discovered more details about life at the camp during my research that I hadn't known. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Next week, we will learn about the terrifying and powerful ruler most of us know as Vlad Dracula. Yes, that Dracula. But he was known at the time as Vlad the Impaler. Tune in for his barbaric and torturous reigns. Today's lesson was written and edited by Christiane, and all music for this podcast was created by Corey Miller. You can also find today's lesson sources on our Facebook page at Adult History. Adult History.